So welcome back to another bonus episode of The Film Frequency and today we're going to be running through the Oscar nominations and um, this is our first award season preview of the year and I'm joined by Mr Alex Harper. How are you doing Alex? I'm very good thanks, how are you? I'm very good and I think I brought you on here because you're probably out of all my friends the one who's probably seen the most of these movies for sure. <laughs> Um, definitely this year I don't think a lot of people have been watching a lot of the Oscar ones I know a lot of people have been ignoring The Power of the Dog uh, not many people saw West Side Story and uh, some of these other ones I think uh, haven't been seen and I'm actually one of those people as well I have been really lacking on my film viewing over the last couple of months so maybe I can get caught up before the end of March um, but you've seen the good lot of them haven't you Alex? Yes I have and the ones I haven't seen seem to be the ones that you have seen so it works out well that's helpful. So, do you want to kick off with kind of the one with the biggest nominations, which is The Power of the Dog, which is 12 nominations? Well, this is a yeah. Netflix-produced film, is that right? Or just Netflix-bought? Uh, I believe it's Netflix-produced, actually. Um, uh, from what I gather, it's uh, Jane Campion, the director. She's been on a bit of a hiatus for a few years. She'd been working on television, and this is her first film since 2009. Uh so it's quite a big coup and it's a part of Netflix's sort of drive to pick up a lot of art house directors and to get them to create products for their service. Uh, this is actually the first one that looks like it's going to break through for Netflix, which has never had a best picture winner. Uh, I think it's got the, I can't uh, verify this, it's got 12 nominations. That may be the most that uh, Netflix has picked up for a single film. Uh, and considering it had some big heavy hitters in the past, like Roma, then this is quite a quite a big coup for them. And it also looks to be like potentially the biggest winner on the night, as well as the most nominated. Now, after Power of the Dog, you've got uh, you've got June with ten nominations, as well as the other two big ones, West Side Story and Belfast, which both have seven nominations. And uh, when you're looking at winners. For the past few years, your ceiling seems to be four to six wins is the most you'll see on any given Oscars night. And Power of the Dog looks very likely that it could pick up anywhere between four and six. At the minute, it's a really heavy favorite for Best Picture and Best Director, and also for Best Original Screenplay. I think the reason for that is that the name associated with all three of those things is Jane Campion. She was nominated about 25 years ago for Best Director, Best Picture, Best uh, Screenwriting. She won the screenwriting. She missed out on Director and Picture to Spielberg. And I think this is kind of a, a retribution vote for her. It's a very popular film, really well liked across the board. I think it's a really brilliant film myself. So whatever the rewarding part of the dog, a lot of the awards are going to be given towards her. After that... Uh, there was some very heavy favorites like um, Cody Smith-McPhee, a young actor uh, for Best Supporting Actor, but he's taken a bit of a hit at the minute, uh, losing out some major awards to Troy Kotzer from CODA. And other than that, there's the odd one that could maybe swing its way. I know cinematography, the current favorite is June, but Ari Wegner's work on Power of the Dog is pretty groundbreaking in the sense it's a lot more low budget than Fraser's. Uh, for June but she could become the first woman to win cinematography and whenever you think about it if you're placing a ballot and you have a choice between something that's multi-million mega budget big film that's mostly VFX or something really small but as good 
that was by a woman on a really low budget, you just maybe might want to move down on the ballot box and tick next to her name because it's just too good a story to pass up on. And then there's a few others that could pick up maybe maybe supporting actress for Kirsten Dunst, but uh, maybe maybe even score for Johnny Greenwood. But at the minute, it's looking like four could be its maximum, and that might be enough for the most wins of the night. Mm-hmm. And what is it about the Power of the Dog which you find so much interesting? Because I actually only watched the trailer for this yesterday, and because I think I, I heard I heard it explained as like a western but like it's not really a western because there's no like cowboys or high noon or anything like that but the trailer looked yeah. very like menacing i have to say it's a very menacing film it's it's based on a novel from the 1960s i believe um uh, it's written uh, it's set i believe very, uh, near the turn of the century i think it's 1920 and the idea is it's about like it's a it's a psychological thriller about uh this uh, or this cowboy who's he's so obsessed with the the styles of the old west and the ideas of what it is to be a man, and then he has his world upturned whenever his brother, uh, who lives on the ranch with him, brings home a new wife who's a widow and her son, who sort of shuns all the ideas that you'd expect of masculinity. He's very effeminate. He's very gentle, but he's very assured of himself. And this kind of the mother and the son threaten him, so he wages war on them. So it it feels like it should be this really big emotional thing, but it's actually just really, really deceptive and very clinical. And it has a real killer of a twist at the end that the entire film hints at and builds towards. And you're never quite sure how it's going to go. And then when you get to the end, you think that if anything, you realize just how clever it is. And it, it has such a great rewatch value because there is that big twist. There is, all that solidly to it so it's something that people want to go back to it's it's something that people respect and as well it's a really enjoyable film to watch just for how all the characters interact and as you say it doesn't really feel like a western because there aren't any guns in the film so interesting yeah i definitely think i'll check it out over the next couple of weeks um it's up there on my list but yeah moving on to kind of the second one with 10 nominations it's denis villeneuve's sci-fi epic dune it's probably the yes. most most popular out of all of the movies on this list, I would say. I mean, I think oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely did the, the most at the box office. I just checked it out again over the weekend there in IMAX, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's still very long, but still, still amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm sure it was incredible on IMAX. Really was definitely. You know, the cinematography just blew me away, um, and the the sound was almost too loud in that cinema. Like I thought I could <laughs> hear. I thought my eardrums were going to burst at one time with some of that Hans Zimmer score. But yeah, what oh, do you? Yes. What do you reckon its chances are? And and like looking at this list, it's the one I'm thinking is going to pick up the most awards. But what do you think? Yeah, I would I would agree with you because um, one of the things is when I say Power of the Dog could pick up four to six, a lot of those are in what you'd call sort of I'd say what you'd wrongly call top line uh, awards in the sense of the ones people sort of report about or hear about like best picture best director best screenwriter best actor whatever june uh, june had the potential to be nominated for a lot of those and um, it was considered a huge snub when villeneuve wasn't nominated for best director he was considered maybe second favorite behind campion um so whenever he wasn't nominated for director people started to think there's no there's no real chance for it to win some of the the top line as they say but because it's such a technical achievement 
it's got so many chances down the line. You would say it's absolute favorite for the likes of editing, for uh, production design, for score, for Hans Zimmer, as you say, and for sound and for visual effects. Now there's five instantly. It could the other one that it's favorite for, but I'm not really convinced on, as I've said before, was uh, cinematography, just because I think I think there's too much of a there's too good a narrative on the other side of the ballot to that you could see it turning over. But if if what I've said goes the way it is, it could be four or five for Power of the Dog. It could be five or six for June. So there's a chance that one of them ends up, you know, more than the other, or they could end up equal. But I think June has the best chance of taking the most awards. But the Power of the Dog will probably be the one that people hear the most about because it takes the most of the big name awards. Interesting. So yeah, moving on to probably the most uh, controversial of the movies on the list is uh, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, which uh, um, yeah, <laughs> what do you want to say about this? Because we, uh, all of our friends, including myself and you, have all yeah. had varying, varying views on this movie. Um, I, I've been, yeah, I've been very critical of it, but I also, I wouldn't even call it controversial. It's it's almost it's almost too sweet to be controversial. Um, I think a lot of people's issue with it is maybe it's a little bit too sweet, a little bit too, you know, nice for whenever you see what's it up against. Oh, it's up against uh, a film about psychological abuse, you know. <laughs> but do you think if you take it, like, because we're from the city, do you think people outside of the city will obviously they'll not have that point of view? Do you think it's probably oh, going to yeah. do better through that? I, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I've always maintained, well, I didn't enjoy it fully. Um, I said that I think an older generation here would love it, and I think uh, people in different markets across the world would love it because it's a bit more. You can maybe say it's a bit more stereotypical. So, whenever whenever you're you live in Belfast and you're like, I don't understand <laughs> this film because it's, you know, it's from a, it's essentially an, like a a guy who's lived most of his life in England or abroad, sort of telling a story of his childhood in the was it the sixties, yeah. 60s yeah so you know it's a little bit more alien to people who live here but then if you don't have that experience it'll be popular it does seem to be very popular and uh, one of the things as well is that Kenneth Branagh set a really weird record at the Oscars this year uh, he's got his eighth nomination this year but he's been nominated in seven different categories over his entire career and that's like nobody has as diverse a uh, uh, a record of being nominated for that many different things and I think the only thing he's been nominated twice for was best director so uh, it's almost like it's a feeling that maybe Belfast has, has run out of steam a little bit um, it was originally the, the best picture favourite but usually the very early ones never tend to sustain that kind of momentum and that's where the power of the dog snuck in from the likes of Belfast and West Side Story in June Um but it has been really well liked. It has been nominated in so many things. It's up for a couple of acting gongs. Um, you know, you could maybe see it winning one, and that one would most likely be best original screenplay in a way that that's um, rewarding Brana for, the, you know, having so many nominations but never breaking through. And maybe the only issue with it is that while I think people would like to reward Belfast with, with something. 
I think also he's up against Paul Thomas Anderson as a, uh, for original screenplay for Licorice Pizza. And he's a man who's been nominated 11 times without ever winning. So there, that's quite an interesting fight to see who between the two of them comes out top. It might just show, it might end up being a bit of a popularity contest among the the voters just of who they would prefer to see pick up that award. Yeah, because some of the dialogue in Belfast compared to some of the dialogue in Licorice Pizza, you know, it's night and day. And especially well, for us. maybe we don't know. Maybe maybe it's incredibly twee for Hollywood and we just, <laughs> we yeah. just don't have that experience. <laughs> I think it's very art house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn, I want to leave Belfast. And <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to probably the biggest director out of all of the films here, Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. West Side Story. His first musical, I believe. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I haven't seen Maybe. it. You, did you see it yourself? Uh, I, I don't think anyone in this country saw it. I'm not even sure if it came out. It seemed to just... it. It was like it and Nightmare Alley. They they seem to pop up for maybe one or two days in the cinema and then just vanish. So I can confirm. Like, oh. I, I can confirm the film frequencies. Mark Whiteside has seen this film. Um, oh wow! So okay, he is my only well, um, <laughs> review of what, of what how good it is. But um, it's one. Although he, I was going to say he was also in Iceland recently. We can't tell. Maybe they had a, some more screenings there. We don't know. True, true, true. It was one. The trailer I thought cinematography wise it looked amazing some of the shots in the trailer mm-hmm. i was blown away by but then i didn't want to sit for like three hour plus musical yeah. as well so i just didn't see it yeah um actually i was i was gonna say funny you said about the cinematography it um i think it was considered a little bit of a like sneaking into uh to that category they weren't sure if it was gonna think i think it was janice kaminsky was the cinematographer I hope I've got that right. I'll be ashamed if I've got it wrong. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I was gonna say it's a it's a bit of a weird one, that it's it's a big favorite in one category, but not any of the others. And I think maybe maybe its box office didn't really do it any favors because, as I said, nobody really seemed to see it. But it is favored for best supporting actress. Ariana DeBose, um, she's been winning all the awards and there was maybe a question of whenever the awards transition from critics awards to industry awards, maybe she might not carry the momentum and it might go to someone who's been in the industry for a lot longer and Kirsten Dunst, it could still swing, but at the minute it could, that could be West Side Story's best shot. Oh, interesting. Um, so moving on to... Uh, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, and Nightmare Alley all have four nominations. Now, neither of us have seen Nightmare Alley, but you've seen Drive My Car and Don't Look Up, right? I haven't seen Don't Look Up, no. So, seen, but, so uh, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen none of these yet. I am, okay. I'm going to watch Don't Look Up and Drive My Car for definite over the next month. Yep. Still not sure if I'll give the time to Nightmare Alley, but what did you think of Drive My Car? Oh, it's, it's probably... Probably, I mean, as much as I love The Power of the Dog and I'd be excited for it to win Best Picture, I think Drive My Car is probably the best film of that group nominated of, of in terms of Best Picture. Um, it's It was one where it had a lot of uh, support, a lot of momentum behind it uh, before the nominations, but no one was sure whether or not people had actually seen it, whether the support was really small and ferocious or if it was you know because it is a it is a three-hour film about uh grief and it does feature i believe a 45 minute introduction which is like just 
like the backstory is the first 45 minutes of the film and then the next two hours and 15 is the actual story and it's, it's got some really out there elements not like really surreal or anything like that but just the the discussions get quite unusual and a lot of it is just people talking so you, it's it's such a weird film uh, it's quite heavy uh, it's quite long but whenever i went to see it i always tell the story of how nobody stirred in the cinema it was three hours i didn't see anyone get up nobody really moved there was no talk it was just silence in the in the screen in a full screen for three hours and afterwards i said that felt shorter than some 90 minute films it was it's it's a really it's a really one-of-a-kind film and it's also quite funny that the the man who directed it risuke hamaguchi who's up for best director um he did two films that year he did another one called wheel of fortune and fantasy and they both i think they clock in at an average of two and a half hours and i remember at the start of the year people were talking about oh this could be ridley scott's comeback year for you know contention because he's got two two films that average two and a half hours long in house of gucci and the last jewel i do find it quite funny that uh after all the the hubbub about him, it's the the quiet Japanese guy that nobody had ever heard of before, who just kind of sneaks in, and everyone's like, "Oh, here's a guy." <laughs> That's good. So, do you think it's, it's yeah. it'll be front runner for best international picture? Best international, absolutely. I think it has it nailed on. It it could spring the odd up. I, I don't think it could upset any of the others. I think it's. I think um, what's quite interesting is it's nominated for. Um, not the exact four because it's an adapted screenplay as opposed to an original screenplay, but it's nominated for the same four that Bong Joon-ho won single-handedly for Parasite. So it's pretty interesting that those four are the, are the ones that he's up for. I think international for sure. It's a, it's a lock on in a really strong field, but then I, I just don't think maybe in another year, maybe if the, if uh, Hamaguchi was more well known, maybe if it had more time, it might rise up the order and it could be a contender for director or screenplay. But as it stands, I think it's it's got one for sure. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I'm definitely um, I'm looking forward to watching that one. Um, looking at the films, I've got three nominations. We'll start with the first three: Being the Ricardos, mm-hmm. Coda, and Encanto. Now, I haven't seen mm-hmm. Being the Ricardos or Encanto yet, but I did see Coda a couple of year, uh, weeks ago. That's um, that's yeah. perfect. I've seen I've seen the first. Seen the other two. <laughs> so, what, what was Being the Ricardos like? First of all, uh, it was very. I would say it's your traditional Oscar film. It uh, it's kind of. From what I hear, it's Aaron Sorkin on autopilot. It's kind of, uh, it's you know, it's good, it's fun, it's decent. I like it. Um, it's interesting that those three nominations are all for acting, uh, as opposed to anything else for the film. So it seems that it struck a chord with uh, the acting branch rather than anything else. Um, maybe it has a chance in actress. Actress, I think we could talk about all day long because it's the. It could it could go any way of the five for the second year in a row, and that's pretty interesting. But um, yeah, I think uh, of the others you mentioned, uh, Encanto um, currently favored for best animated feature, but I'm sure we'll get on to why that may not be the case. Um, and uh, Coda, Coda. Now you you watch Coda. What did you think of Coda? So like um, Coda, I was expecting to be a lot more like 
artsy than it was. I was expecting this kind of really like artsy because if anyone doesn't know, Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adults. It's about a young girl who, um, who her parents and her brother are, are deaf, and, and or, you know she's hearing, and she does a lot of the um, a lot of the sign language for them. They work on like a, a boat. They're they're fi- they're fishermen, and um, she's really into singing, which obviously there's a huge disconnect between her and her family because they don't quite understand. Uh, what she gets out of it, whether she's even good or not, um, but that's you know her her passion in life, and you know it's kind of like a, uh, a lot of her going to school, meeting a guy, her in, in, uh, encounters with her friends and stuff, and it was just like a real like bog standard coming of age film with this mm-hmm. element of the you know there's a lot of conversations in sign language, there's a lot of quiet moments that you don't normally get in those type of movies, and I think it was amazing. It was it's an Apple TV produced um, film. Um, and I thought it was beautiful, but it's it, there was nothing about it that made me, you know, it's a it's it's a strange one. It's a film that you would think you would just see and you're like, oh, I enjoyed that. It was really good, but I think this added element with the the sign language and and the, the deaf actors just kind of elevated it. But um, mm-hmm. it's definitely one to recommend. It's one you can watch for your family. You know, you don't need to worry about you like, you know, maybe if you have family members who aren't into like you know the kind of artsy Oscar films, this is a, a totally mm-hmm. normal film and, and a really beautiful film actually. Um, yeah. yeah so it's up for it's up for three big ones it's up for picture uh original screenplay but again it's in that ridiculously strong field against uh jane campion for power of the dog maggie gyllenhaal the lost daughter hamaguchi and oe for drive my car and uh june and um, so it's it's currently i think uh, the odds are that it's maybe third favorite but again campion's quite a runaway in that but uh, it recently sprung two big surprises at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Um, it was up for, uh, it won Best Supporting Actor against Cody Smith McPhee, who was considered the the ultimate front runner among the acting crowd. Um, so, if and it also picked up another award for him at the Hollywood Critics Association, I think yesterday. But um, but it's not really a huge predictor. So it's it's a case of watching the next few awards at the Critics' Choice and the BAFTAs to see whether Smith McPhee or Kotzer is the is the one who picks up the awards there because Coda could pick up an award quite easily if Kotzer ends up winning one or two more. Um, but also, uh, it won like the big award of the night at the, the Screen Actors Guild. It won Best Ensemble Cast over the likes of Belfast and King Richard. And I think... I sort of expected it to happen. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild really loves to, like, whenever there's a field and they see that there's a lot more diversity in one group, they're just so happy to reward it, and deservedly so in so many cases. You've seen uh, films like Black Panther and Hidden Figures and uh, uh, Parasite. That was the big uh, key for Parasite winning Best Picture at the Oscars was whenever Screen Actors Guild awarded it because it showed there was a lot of support and a lot of love for them. So Coda picking that up has really boosted its chances on maybe springing the odd surprise, but with with only three nominations, you, you can't help feel maybe maybe if it had if it had broken through a little bit sooner it might have got more. Because as you say, it is such a it's it's like that kind of film that you don't really see at the Oscars maybe where it's it's you say bog standard but also quite diverse and quite charming. Yeah. You know. 
definitely. Well, I definitely yeah. hope it picks up something anyway. But moving on to the best animated feature, um, which is definitely yes. one of contention because I think, I'm not sure if you're in the same boat as me, but I was very much backing uh, Sony Pictures Animated, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, and I will continue to back that. <laughs> even if oh, I you should. <laughs> you so should. It's, it's a wonderful film. I think this is one of, um, considering... <laughs> If you think about like who the nominees are, the fact that there's two Disney films, there's a Pixar film, there's a Sony film, you think, oh, well, it sounds a bit boring, but the the sheer quality of the, the nominated films, I haven't seen Ray and the Last Dragon, I'm not sure if it's up to the same standard as the, the other four, but... The I loved it, I loved it. Big yeah. fan of Ray and the Last Dragon. Yeah, okay, and then Encanto, Luca, Mitchells vs. the Machines, and Flea, all of them are really unique in their own way. Um, one maybe more so than others, but uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Sony's been on such a tear recently between this and uh, Into the Spider Verse, of really bringing it to the heavyweights of uh, Disney Pixar for you know showing them, hey, we can do everything maybe better than you guys. Mitchell's versus the Machines actually started off as the front runner, and then it got deposed as the front runner by Luca once it came out. And then for a little while, Flea was was in there. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Flea in a second because it's got quite an interesting story. And then Encanto is now, I think it's the runaway favorite at the minute just by virtue of, like, it's it's very popular, like, everywhere. It's, apparently, the, the songs are in the charts. Still number one, uh, I think. Number BBC Radio number one's one. number one. Yeah, I think so. Really? Wow. You know, and the songs are good. I watched it the other night. I was surprised. They're, it's it's great. So I think it was one where people were thinking, maybe it might get an nomination, maybe it won't. And then now you've got it a couple of months later and it's it's running away from the field. Um, there is a chance it might not win. I don't think Luca or Mitchell's versus the Machines, as much as I love them, as much as I'd love to see them win, I think maybe just they're a little bit too similar to Encanto. If you want to... In a way, if you want to beat something that's like an American-produced uh, 3D CGI animation that's really good for all the family, maybe you don't pitch it against another one that's exactly like that. Uh, the one huge outlier in that is uh, Flea, which is a Danish-language animated documentary that was made on quite a small budget and is about a man, it's a very personal story, just all told from one man's recollections of how he arrived in Denmark uh, from Afghanistan during a lot of the troubles after uh, the Mujahideen takeover and then the Taliban takeover. And he, yeah, it's just his story of how he arrived there, aged 15, completely alone, uh, with all of his family having perished on their journey across Europe to try and escape. It's it's a really, really beautiful film. Uh I think just because of how different it is and how much momentum is starting to to go behind it, um, it could maybe just be that little bit different that if Encanto and Luca and Mitchell's versus the Machines, if they start to split the vote a little bit, then maybe the complete outlier might be the one that, that comes up and takes the win. At the minute, Encanto's favourite could pick up uh, maybe another one for original song, but uh, yeah, Flea has a good chance. And I know I've harassed you into letting me talk about Flea because I love it so much. <laughs> but it's up for a... It's also another record breaker this year. It's up for three awards. Best International Film, 
best documentary and best animated feature. And it's, I mean, that's, that's crazy that it, you know, it could be viable for all those three, but then to make it into the final five is, is quite a big pick. And I think with those three nominations, you'd maybe think, well, if the, if, three completely separate branches that don't share the same voting. If they're all going for this one film, then maybe whenever the voting opens up for everyone to decide, maybe it's got enough love that it has to have somewhere that it can be rewarded. You know? Yeah, because it's, it's the type oh, of film ahead. that, um, like, we talk a lot about Oscar um, snubs and stuff, but I think in, in previous years, the likes of Flea, they might have just it might have just got a, a best documentary nomination and not been nominated yeah. for the animated award, you know, so it's good mm-hmm. that it's kind of in those three and it, it does have a chance of winning the three. Yeah. I think it's best shot as documentary. I think it's up against uh, Summer of Soul by Questlove, um, which is the presumptive favourite, but I think I think maybe if Encanto's such a big runaway and Drive My Car is such a big runaway for the other two, then maybe Summer of Soul might be the weak link if they want to reward it. And I think Honestly, having whenever you see it, and it's like, I mean, it's it's having a bit of a protracted release around the world. Uh, I think it's coming to us at the end of the week. Uh, but whenever you watch it, it's just one of those films where you're kind of like, I want to tell people about. It. I want people to see it. It's 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 pretty unique. So yeah, some of the other ones that have three nominations: uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza, and also I think it's is it Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut, The Lost Daughter. Yes. Um, so I've seen Liquor's Pizza, and I know you have yourself. Have you seen The Lost Daughter? Uh, I haven't, but I have a friend who's seen it, and he was—he's re- also very big into his Oscars, and he was ranting and raving about how good the two leads in it were: Olivia Coleman, and then Las Vegas is a sport, but Jesse Buckley, and he—he uh, we—we uh, we were part of a, a website called Gold Derby, where we predict uh, uh, awards nominations and award wins. And whenever we went up against each other to see who'd get the most uh, of the Oscar nominations, right, he beat me by one. And that one was Best Supporting Actress for Jesse Buckley. And I'm a bit annoyed that I didn't pick that myself because I, I've i been saying for years that Jesse Buckley and I said Jesse Buckley and Riley Keough are two of like the, the most underrated acting gems that nobody's quite picked up on yet. And I think this is people finally picking up on Jesse Buckley. And that one nomination was enough for him to beat me and i'm a bit i'm a bit wounded by that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah paul, paul thomas anderson's licorice pizza um the only other film of his i've seen i've seen uh, there will be blood sorry and i have seen um inherent vice which i'm a huge fan of i yeah. think it's very funny and it's a great it's a yeah. great story but this one was a similar i felt it was a similar vibe it was funny and not much goes on but you know the it was the way the seven the way it was set in the seventies was beautifully shot and it was just enjoyable. You know, not much happens. Yeah. It's just you know, teenagers kind of this guy, um, kind of all his different business ventures. Now there was the big mm-hmm. kind of we talk backlash for this about the age difference in this movie. Oh yeah. What, how do you feel about that? Because I I've I know I've, we've got people on Letterbox like you and myself who've rated this pretty high, but then there's some people who have rated it specifically low for this reason as well. I I mean I'm also going to throw out there there is like a scene that is just extremely racist as well like it is shocking I uh, it feels like it feels like someone was trying for satire but then they just like didn't know what to do with it and it just came across so badly 
it's it's very unusual um yeah i i I think it's a really beautiful film as you said it's i remember reading someone talking about how it's like it's a different film every 20 minutes you just and maybe that is quite a good metaphor for you know someone who doesn't really know what to do with their life in uh an alana himes character and then someone who seemingly does know what to do with his life but he changes his mind every 20 minutes uh, (laughs) when you're cooper hoffman character but yeah, I can understand entirely why that's very uncomfortable. I mean, it is uncomfortable for me. Um, 15 and 25, I think. And they played very coy for ages as to, oh, well, this is just like them finding their person. It doesn't have to be romantic. It doesn't have to be anything. And then at the very, oh, can I, can I spoil? At the very end, they make it very clear that it is romantic. And it's just a little bit that. Uh, but oh, uh, and also, it maybe gives a bit of a vibe of uh, if you've ever seen Almost Famous, where it was the same thing, where it was kind of like semi-autobiographical, and the guy was talking about how he went as like a fifteen-year-old as well, and then uh, ended up having relationships with all these older grippy characters. And I don't know. It's an Just, interesting one. Do you think it's going to win big? And it's three, and it's three. Um because that's normally did you say that Paul Thomas Anderson normally gets a bit more than just three uh, uh, he it depends on the film There Will Be Blood was his big moment where it was oh could he win maybe he's got the best film I think uh, it was the best reviewed film of that year and then he lost out to the big ones for the Coen brothers with uh, oh No Country for Old Men I forgot the film name for a second <laughs> so that means that he's gone. Uh, he's on his eleventh. He's picked up three. All nominations for Licorice Pizza were for him, and uh, as producer, director, writer. So he's on his eleventh nomination without a win. I think that's that's kind of the the position you're in whenever they think, okay, well maybe we need to reward you. But it really depends on whether they choose him or Brana because they're both in similar boats. They've both got quite liked films. Maybe. People are voting more for Anderson than they are for Brana, but they do really love Belfast, the voters. So it's very tight. I think that's one that could go either way. And I'm not sure how I'd call it, but that's its one chance. I think picture and director are a bit too far out of reach. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the Coen brothers there. So um, The Tragedy of Macbeth is Joel Coen's film. Um, oh, so yeah. They, they've now, they no longer co-direct isn't that right one of them has retired or he's just in the writing he doesn't direct anywhere they're, oh, they're kind of split I didn't even I didn't even know this that's yeah so I think I, I think <laughs> as of the tragedy of Macbeth it is only like a sole director but I'm not 100% yeah. sure I think he's um <laughs> I was like I went on the writing credits there for the tragedy of Macbeth and it was like Joel Cohen only showed up and then I clicked on it it was like oh maybe it's Ethan's, Ethan Cohen that's the other one but it was uh, William, yeah. Sha- William Shakespeare <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> I also got the, ra- got the writing credit on the tragedy of Macbeth of yeah. course that is, uh, that is always a laugh when you see the writing credits for for very ancient plays <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, it's, it's there with three nominations um, it looks very beautiful but it's oh, yeah. um it's not one I've watched. I'm I, I'm kind of hesitant a lot to watch the kind of um, you know the the ones based on Shakespeare plays. I, I remember watching Coriolanus way back when, and oh, I was like, yeah. that is something else. Um, so I'm not <laughs> sure I'll ever get. I might check it out, but um, what about yourself? As you say, it does look beautiful. Um, I I was really interested to see it at the time. Um, I'd even heard uh, one of the 
actresses in it. The one who plays the witches, she's quite a she's a really well respected uh, theater actress. Apparently, she once played a chimpanzee to like as a, and won awards for it. And everyone said, "Oh, she's one of the best physical actors out there." And nobody knows who she is because her one film credit that anyone knows is like a bit part in a Harry Potter film for two minutes. So, <laughs> Catherine Hunter. Catherine Hunter is her name. Um, I think it's pro- it's probably a great film. I mean, you can't really go that wrong with Macbeth and with you, you've got Cohen and Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington, all key players. And as you say, it looks beautiful. I think it's up for. Did you say it's up for two or three? I three. No, I know for certain it's up for cinematography and for production design, and you can see that in the. You can definitely see that in the trailer, if nothing else, just how well it looks. And I think also maybe in another year, cinematography would have it's it would have had a really great chance. Maybe it could be a like one of the biggest surprises ever <laughs> if it wins. The man Bruno Delbanel, who's done it, he's been consistently excellent for years. He he was Oscar nominated for a Harry Potter film, oddly, many years ago. Probably should have won it too, based on if you're just looking at the aesthetics of it all um but i think maybe just with june and power of the dog i think i don't think it has a, a huge in anywhere so it might just be one of those ones that three nominations is its reward for oh denzel washington up for best actor that's the other one the one of the big ones yeah uh i think maybe that might be its reward more than any actual awards yeah, definitely looking at some of those, like the other role, um, other performances through Andrew Garfield, Benedict Cumberbatch, Will Smith, and Javier Bardem are all in Best Actor as well. So yeah, it's know. a bit of a bit of a runaway for Will Smith, I believe. Um, he's uh, getting a lot of love. Um, his film King Richard's up for six, I believe. Um, quite a quite a big number, quite a surprising one because it didn't seem like. I don't know. Did you ever see it released here? Yeah, it was out here. I remember it was on the sides of buses and stuff. It was quite pushed a bit oh, here, but not for mo- okay. not for long. Yeah, and I, just, just, I just mustn't have left the house or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sometime during one of our. I think yeah, that's right. That's one I missed out earlier on, King Richard. Um, it was one I was excited for because you know I know you're big into your tennis and I'm I'm, I'm a fan yeah. of it myself. But what did you think about that? It's kind of the the origin story of Serena <laughs> Williams, if you will. Uh, I uh, I had I had my doubts about it just because um in in the sense it's uh it was written in conjunction with uh richard williams uh king richard of the title and i don't know just the name king richard the the fact that richard williams is it's a story about his coaching and then you've got like two of the greatest sportswoman of all time uh probably the greatest tennis player of all time male or female and serena uh, uh considering her achievements you got like them just kind of pushed to the side and i remember reading a review that maybe tainted my maybe made me a bit worried it said this is the best uh, 11 minute venus williams origin story film ever and then the rest the other two hours 20 minutes is yeah i thought oh dear <laughs> but uh, everything everything everyone said is will smith is well he's very popular in the film apparently he really digs into it gives a really great performance and then um, yeah, I think he's he's a lock in for it, and maybe Benedict Cumberbatch might be. Maybe if he wins the BAFTA, I mean, there's been <laughs> there's been bigger upsets last year between Chadwick Boseman and Anthony Hopkins after 
Bozeman lost the BAFTA. So who knows, something could happen. But yeah, Will Smith's to lose, I think. Oh, very good. So what about uh, No Time to Die as well? It has two nominations. Um, I presume I was actually going to say yeah, best song. Of course, Billie Eilish's No Time to Die. Oh yeah. Normally in the Bond years, you know, they're normally the front runners. I know it wasn't a deal yeah. quite big with the Skyfall and stuff. Um, yeah. And also yeah, think? best visual effects as well. But you know, it's very unlikely it's going to win out. You know, against June, but. Oh, uh, I think visual effects. I mean, June you just tell it's it's revolutionary like you can't really you can't really prize that away from it and even if you did it would maybe be something like spider-man no way home uh or even like one of the interesting ones is free guy was nominated that's actually like a really nice one because it's such a small team involved with free guy so the fact that they picked up one is pretty it's it's pretty nice it's kind of like a real underdog story but um no time to die it is favorite for song still i think there's still a lot of support for Billie Eilish, but I mean, I mean, it's, it's such a weird year. It's Beyonce versus Billie Eilish versus Disney versus Van Morris. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I think who knows? Maybe maybe Encanto has the momentum, but Billie Eilish is kind of. I mean, it's kind of tradition to give the Bond theme an award just because, and it is a good Bond theme, and. Yeah, who knows? Probably one of well, one of those two anyway. And going down to our kind of last five films on our our lists, um, Cruella and The Eyes of Tommy Faye are our first two with two nominations. Now we're talking about mm-hmm. Cruella. We definitely think it's probably going to go for the best costume design. Oh yeah, I think it's it's actually one of the secretly one of the most runaway favorites because I know not a lot of people sort of look down at the. I mean the perfectly valid and really awesome work in like the likes of makeup and hair and production design costume design all that ones um but like the the work on a lot of those films is just immaculate and the costumes in Cruella I mean you've seen it haven't you yeah I thought it was amazing like yeah. obviously the film is very much um so anyone who hasn't seen it you know Cruella is like uh works in fashion and stuff and the whole film is kind of revolves around her as like an underdog in fashion and building her way up to um becoming like the head of of the, the fashion industry in in, um, in london so obviously it plays a huge part in the story and oh, there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of different um different outfits and outfit changes in every single scene oh, yeah. of course um, i remember one particular outfit change where doesn't she get dumped from the back of a of like a of like a bin lorry she just gets dumped out and then she gets up and the dress is like bin bags or something like that or refuse it's just it's i mean it's a it's period obviously so it's old style costumes but then it's also really out there and quite new and like there's so many different things going on it and it is really high so like it's just it does so much and i think like whenever the costume designers are going to be voting it's going to be like they're going to appreciate just how big that is i mean up against it are June and West Side Story. West Side Story, pretty traditional, pretty good. June, weirdly 80s style. It looks like the costumes look more out of the 80s than the 80s version of the film. Uh, but uh, yeah, Cruella, I think, good shout for that. And what about this? The Eyes of Tommy Faye. I actually read a tweet earlier which said, imagine Jessica Chastain won Best Actress for a film that nobody liked and the critics didn't like um so that's all i know about this movie i've seen i've seen it, like selections of the trailer but um, oh yeah 
Um, I presume you haven't seen it yourself or have much interest in it? Oh, I haven't. I, again, it's one of these films. I, there's so many. I just, I just genuinely assume never went came out in the cinema here because they just. I mean, we t- we get things so late, and you didn't really see much about it. But I mean, Jessica Chastain is a fantastic actress, and uh, the makeup on it. Whenever you see, <laughs> whenever I first saw a picture of Jessica Chastain in makeup, I thought, oh my god! And apparently, the makeup was so heavy and had to be applied so much that it actually damaged her skin. Um. So like, ooh, you know, there's a that's that's commitment, if anything. Um, it's it's funny. It could win both of those, and you could have uh, one of the critically least liked films of this list picking up, you know, multiple wins. Um, and it'd be deserved. It's a bit like Suicide Squad, the original one, winning best uh, makeup, and you know, it it was phenomenal makeup. You know, no criticisms as to winning that, but people were a bit like. Is that an Oscar-winning film, really? <laughs> but um, for Jessica Chastain, that actually feeds into the best actress race, which is the most open of the night. Um, it's quite funny, is on that site called Darby that I mentioned, There's a, they have a list, of, or it tells you how many of the pre- uh, people predicting uh, are guessing which actor's going to win, or which person's going to win in their category for best actor. You know, for, say... Something runaway like Will Smith versus Benedict Cumberbatch, that's 3,100 versus 1,200, you know. And then after that, Andrew Garfield on 300, Denzel Washington on 30. You know, that's it's quite big. If you go to the best actress one, the top four in that are separated by 300 votes between Chris, uh, Kristen Stewart in fourth place with uh, uh, Spencer for like 1,065. And then the most, like the most predicted, was uh, Nicole Kidman, thirteen hundred, but she's in third in the odds. And you've also got Jessica Chastain, who's now the assumptive favorite, just because she won the Screen Actors Guild Award. And there's, it's it's quite a it's quite a funny one as well because all the actors who are up for the Oscar weren't nominated for the BAFTAs, and the BAFTA can be the swing vote, like it was last year, whenever. Uh, it was, I think, each of the nominees had won a different major award. Uh, so Vanessa Kirby had won. Uh, Andrew Day had the Golden Globe. Uh, Viola Davis had the Screen Actors Guild. Carrie Mulligan had Critics' Choice. And then McDormand comes in, wins the BAFTA, wins the Oscar, just at the very death. And there's no chance of that because there's no crossover in the nominees this year. So the Screen Actors Guild and then the Critics' Choice, which tend to favour Chastain, um, they sort of might be the swing votes and they might push Jessica Chastain, who's respected. She's done a good job in this film. And it might just be enough to say, hey, here's an award that maybe you might have deserved for Zero Dark Thirty a decade ago. But the one person I haven't mentioned in that list is the ultimate upset artist in Olivia Coleman, who will all will only ever win if she's not if it's nobody assumes she's gonna win. And I think her performance, loads of people are citing as the best of the year. So could be could be could be some upset in the card, but I don't think you can call anything an upset in that category because it's just completely open. Yeah. So one of the other ones in best best actress, uh, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers from Pedro yes. Almodovar. This is a film you've seen, haven't you? Yes, I have. What do you think of it? Very weird, but I suppose you come to expect that with Almodovar. Um but I did think it was like, it's so bizarre because so much of the film is one thing and it's actually quite like tense. It's quite, 
it almost feels a bit suffocated in a way. You sort of think like, when's this film going to take a breath? Because while nothing's happening necessarily, there's just like all these interactions where, oh, something could bubble up because it's about these, um, it's about an older woman and a younger woman who both have a child on the same day in Spain. And at that time, the older woman played by Penelope Cruz, she's trying to organize for her uh, grandfather's grave to be excavated. Uh, or a site where she believes her grandfather had been buried because uh, he was a, a disruptor during the Spanish Civil War. So it, there's a lot going on in it, and it doesn't really... I, I had no idea. It's a bit like Licorice Pizza. I had no idea what kind of film it was every 20 minutes. It just changed about. And then at the very end, it, you sort of get it, and you're like, oh, this is really beautiful. Um, it's actually also very interesting. It's up for two. Uh, it's one of four foreign language films to pick up multiple nominations, which is, I think, the first time that that many foreign language films have been in that discussion. There's uh, also, of well, there's Flea, there's Drive My Car, Parallel Mothers, and you've got The Worst Person in the World, which is up for original screenplay and for international film. And uh, Parallel Mothers wasn't up for international film because uh, the Spanish, it's the Spanish government are the ones who put forward uh, their nomination, and I don't think they wanted to nominate a film that was very anti-Spanish government. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. gosh, yeah, that other one you mentioned, there, the worst person in the world, the Walking Trier film. It's one that you know, I've, as soon as I saw like the trailer and I saw the poster, I was like, I feel like that's what yeah. I'm gonna like. Now it's not, it's not out here until the 25th of uh, March. But uh, do you think it's yeah. maybe a, a quiet favorite? It might upset. It looks interesting. I don't know if I've I've. It's Norwegian of a Norwegian friend who said it was amazing. Um, obviously mm-hmm. it was out there. But what do you think? Uh, it's it's interesting. It actually it looks like it might be more of a favorite at the Baftas, who tend to swing very European because it's up for best actress there as well. Uh, which is quite a and, a and again it's a best actress field which is completely open. So, it you know there could be some. With that, I think it's definitely it's definitely the only one. I don't think Flea will challenge Drive My Car and International just because it has other races that people would probably flock to more. So, I think the worst person in the world could be the big upset for Drive My Car. But at the same time, Drive My Car. I mean, with with four nominations up for Best Picture, it would be a real upset if it didn't win International. You'd think. So yeah, the only other one we haven't mentioned is Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Andrew Garfield playing this story of John Larson, I believe, who wrote uh, Rent. Um, and it's kind of just the, the leading up to him, obviously, writing Rent and then becoming like an international sensation about it. But um, mm-hmm. I have watched this film in many different increments. <laughs> I keep getting like uh, keep getting like distracted and said, I still haven't finished it. I have like 40 minutes left of it. But it, it was enjoyable. Um, Andrew Garfield's performance was amazing in it. I've seen the videos on like Instagram of like the side by side of, of the, real, the real life performance and then his um, acting performance and it's like like for like. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, do you think it any, has any chance? I mean, you haven't seen it yourself, isn't that right? I haven't seen it myself, no. I have, I've, I've been told by at least three people that made them cry but uh, that's that's all i've got to go on um i think uh anyway it's lynn Man- lynn manuel miranda who i think will eventually win an award he's he's up for what they call the egot i think egot for emmy grammy oscar tony i think he just needs an oscar so it's kind of one of those ones where i think people like 
campaign for him and be like, oh, he has to win this because, I mean, he's so popular. But I think maybe Tick, Tick, Boom, maybe not this year. I mean, Andrew Garfield's apparently great in it. I think I'll have to rely on your opinion there. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think maybe just a bridge too far for that one for anything. Interesting. So we've kind of run through a little list there of like the top, uh, the ones with multiple nominations. Is there anything else you want to mention about the Oscars this year? Is there any that weren't? Is there, was there any snubs? Any snubs that you wanted? Um, anything you wished had been up for nomination that hasn't been nominated? Oh, I do. But also, it's not. It's one of these. The Oscars are one of these things where it's a select group of films. I think that's what you always have to remember is that. It's a very select group of films. It's what the people in the industry have watched and liked. So it's a, it's a, it's like a balance between getting something that's accessible, but also something that's a bit, you know, more like thinks a bit more of itself. You know, um, yeah. I mean, the all the snubs tended to be quite, um, you know, you wouldn't really have expected to see something or stuff that I maybe would have loved to seen and very specifically Zola for editing. Uh, you saw that with me so you know what the editing was like in that film and the and the woman who edits it is an absolute treasure, Joy McMillan she was also, I think she might have been nominated for Moonlight, if she wasn't it was a travesty but she's she's one of the best working at the minute, you kind of hoped oh, you'd love for that to, to maybe sneak in but no, I think the most interesting snub is maybe in the supporting actors category and it's very specific to us because it's from Belfast. But the two ones who got nominated for it were Judy Dench and uh, Kieran Hines. Now, going into that, they weren't actually the favourites to be nominated for supporting actor and actress. It was Katrina Balfe and Jamie Dornan were the ones. And everyone said, oh, do you think they'll get a nomination? They were almost bolted on for a nomination. Everyone thought, yeah, it's going to be the, the parents. And then the grandparents just snuck in and deposed them. And I, I thought that was quite nice in its own way. I'm sure a lot of a lot of our friends would be very happy Jamie Dornan is, does not have Oscar nominee beside his name. <laughs> very true. Sorry, Jamie, if you're listening, but maybe next year. Oh, sorry. I love you. It's fine. <laughs> so, Alex, thank you so much for coming on our Oscar preview oh, It's been a pleasure. Episode. Thank you. So hopefully we'll get you on in maybe a month's time. I know Mark's really itching to do like a post-Oscars review and maybe um, maybe if you can put together a wee list of um, your own um, predictions and then we'll put that out on our, mm -hmm. on our social media share and then we'll see who was closest. That would be quite nice. Yeah. Because you know us, we, we always love a good, uh, a good wee list of see who's going to do the best. And I think i got a feeling that you're probably going to top that list. No, I know last year I was dead last and Mark and Ross were ahead of me, but I reckon you, you've yeah. probably got it in the bag. And we'll have to get this Gold, I, gold Derby um, website on the go for Mark as well. <laughs> yeah. So yes, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, we will be back in another couple of weeks with a Batman episode on Matt Reeves' new film, um, which we're all very excited for. Uh, but yes, until then, keep watching films. See you later. <laughs>